Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I am Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about three steps to investing. Specifically, we hear all of the time, or the question we get asked, and maybe we even read in the media, is, is the market overvalued? And I find this question just absolutely hilarious. And we're going to dive into why Alex finds it hilarious. I'm going to give you those three steps uh, to help you with those investing, Alex. But uh, but the first thing is, what, what are we drinking today? Uh, today, we are drinking Batch 15. It's an IPA out of Aslan Brewing up in Bellingham, Washington. Uh, it's 6.7% with uh, a robust 60 IBUs. What, uh, what do you think of this beer, Ryan? You know, it's with the 60 IBUs, I expected more of a punch in the face. Um, but surprisingly, it's not, it's not that strong from a, from a, that IBU hop type of aspect that you would normally consider with an IPA. It's smoother. You know, it has, it, like every other IPA that we drank, you know, you, you could taste the floral and the citrus in that, but it's smoother. The 6.7% alcohol, right? That's normally right up the, the you know, an IPA alley from an alcohol percentage. Sure. I mean, at the same time, it's it's not something like, uh, I don't know, Hop Stupid that has over 100 IBUs. So, yep. Yep. No, it's, it's a solid beer. And uh, what, do we know where batch 15 is? That, is it just batch number 15? Is that- I, I believe it's just the 15th uh, attempt that they had at, at uh, you know, brewing an IPA. Cool. Yeah. I like the can. It's just kind of a solid, uh, like a, a black finished type of uh, structure with a, we'll go with a close to a lime green uh, lettering. So with the shape of a lion, which is uh, kind of like the shape of a lion. Well, it's obviously a throwback to uh, to childhood there with Narnia, uh, Aslan the lion. Exactly. So make sure you try it out, Aslan Brewing. Batch number fifteen up in Bellingham, Washington. So let's let's jump into this, Alex. So uh, you you had a quote that you stated when we were talking about this specific episode. And so I'll let you uh, start with a quote that really defines everything that we're about to talk about. Sure, and the there's a couple different folks that have been. Uh, quoted as saying this or something similar to it, but it, the time to be fearful is when others are greedy and the time to be greedy is when others are fearful. Um, and like you and I just quickly Googled it. I was thinking of Warren Buffett, uh, but uh, John Templeton uh, is another you know historic investor who, who is also quoted as uh, uh, along the same lines as that, as that quote. Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting um, piece when we're, when we're talking about investing, especially when we get those questions about the market being overvalued. I know I've seen, I mean, I see it every day, right? Uh, with the everyday in the, in the media, about the media saying that the market's overvalued, you know, we're, we're due for a correction, uh, right? And then when the, the markets start to go down, right, the, the negative aspect comes comes out. And then when the market starts to creep back up, all of a sudden the positive motions start coming out. So it's, it's amazing how the media portrays whichever direction and then really shines light on it because, you know, that's their job is to get your eyeballs. It, it, yeah. 
it's that's what makes me laugh is just the media portrayal of this and how how we think about it from a media standpoint and how we're always driven by either fear or greed because that's what attracts eyeballs from a media standpoint and as cynical as this is to say journalism by and large has gone it feels like it's gone away and it's really been replaced with just how do we attract eyeballs from for a marketing standpoint because that's how media gets compensated yeah it's it's even funnier because when you think about you know the the market being overvalued right the other day i posted on linkedin right you know many people many people think the market's overvalued currently they also thought this in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, right? So it's always there. And what's the overall theme or the lesson that that we hope you take away from this today's episode is don't try to time the market. It, You're going to get it wrong. It's a losing <laughs> battle. Uh, so, the professionals who spend all day, every day, trying to predict the market, get it wrong more often than right. And so, so why is it that we're talking about it today? Well, the reason we're talking about it today is the reason we get asked these questions is our client or the person that reached out to us read about it on the media somewhere, or maybe they heard about it from another person that they work with. Oh, by the way, that person read about it in the media somewhere or some person that they follow, right? So what do you do instead, right? So we're going to have three steps to really focus on as opposed to focusing on determining whether or not now is the time that the market is overvalued or not. And so step one is really understanding that we're investing long-term. We're not speculating. Yeah, that's that's how you and I phrase it. That's what we do for our clients is we are investing, meaning that we're going about a systematic process. Our goal is not to pick individual securities. Our goal is not to try to pick the next winner, time the time the market, anything of that nature. Our job is to identify how do we harness the power of the market as a whole. And I'll put this caveat out there. I mean, our last episode, we were talking about being, becoming financially unbreakable. When you complete those four steps that we spoke about in the last episode, if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go back and look at, look at that or listen to that. When you completed those steps, then you're, ena- you're enabling yourself to invest and you're not playing that speculation game, right? Because you've got all of the steps in order which allows you to invest long-term. I think too many times I'm talking to someone and they don't have adequate you know, savings routines or they don't have adequate you know, just emergency funds set up. And because of that, that has them inevitably when they feel the market's overvalued, right? When they're becoming that speculative type of person, it shines the flashlight even harder on it because- they don't have the safety net to fall back on and they're not financially unbreakable. Right. So I just thought I'd tie that in specifically with our last episode, because there's a reason that those four steps work. 
<laughs> when you're financially unbreakable, you're not shining the light on, on your investments uh, on a year-to-year basis or even a day-to-day basis the way that people are looking at it right now. Uh, and everything that you and I try and do is turn variable uncertainties into systematic ways of going about things where we're systematically trying to eliminate uncertainty. We're never going to truly do that with investing because they're variable. And when we have things that are variable, it is by definition an unknown or random walk down Wall Street. So if we're investing and not speculating, the, the, the next question that we get around the you know, market being overvalued or not, it's almost like, okay, well, when should I put more money into the market? Right? When should I invest? And like this is what I was thinking of when, when I was laughing at the beginning, uh, because we oftentimes get this, this question. And the answer is almost certainly now. If we're investing and we're investing for the long term, while we care about what the market does today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, really what we're focused on is, okay, where's the market going to be in 15 years, in 20 years, when we need to get the money back out of our investments? That's what we care about. And almost inevitably, the answer is the longer we wait, the worse off we will be for having waited. Yeah, this is a, you know, it's a short-term mindset if you're asking that question. Correct. Right. And, we, you know, we started this episode talking about this is long-term. Like, I don't care if you're 60 years old, it's still long-term, right? Because if you made it to age 60, your life expectancy just actually got longer because you made it to age 60, like the average age, and, and I'm making it up, but I, I forget what it is. It's probably like, you know, 81 or 82 or something like that. But if you make it to age 60, now your average expectancy actually goes up to like 85, 86. Because now you've made it to this, this sector that, you know, the, the average age is everyone. Well, now it's okay. What's the average age of someone that makes it to 60, which is why it goes up that much further. So yeah, all, have, all the pe- all the people that were dragging down that average, or a good portion of them anyway, um, are already accounted for. They didn't make it to age sixty. So unless you're playing the game where you're going to invest whatever you're going to invest in, and you're going to sell in a short term mindset, unless you're playing that game, it doesn't make sense to ask the question: When should I put the money in? Because even if you're sixty years old and you put a dollar into the market today. It might be 25, 30 years until you pull that money back out. Right. right? So it's still long-term thinking. And then we get to step number three here, Alex, which is, right, don't get caught up in the speculation, which we've been talking about this entire time. It's kind of the overarching thesis, if you will, around everything we've been saying. Not to say that you shouldn't, you know, be aware of what's going on in the world, but being aware versus reacting are two different things. Yeah. And I mean, so much of this is just trying to investing gets so tied in with emotions and 
a lot of what you and I try to do is help people remove, reduce, or eliminate that fight or flight emotional response to investing, because this is one area where that, that gut response just does not help us. It's funny. I had a conversation with someone just the other day and, you know, this, this person uh, was just given uh, $50,000 with the, with a stock and they're, they didn't like having that much money in one particular stock, especially at the stock that they currently work for because they have other stocks for that company. And so they, they sold. So now they've got 50,000 and they're saying, okay, where should I be investing this money? Or should I wait? It's more of a question of, should I wait to invest this money when the market corrects, right? That's really what they're saying. And I asked them the question of, okay, well, did you stop your 401k contribution? And they looked at me like, and they tilted their head a little bit. They're like, that's a stupid question. Why would I stop my 401k contribution? And I said, well, it's the same thing. Right? It's the exact same thing. You're, you're con- contributing to your 401k and you're concerned about the market correcting well, if that's if that's really the issue that you're going to be selling everything, then why are you still contributing to your 401k? And all of a sudden the person goes, yeah, I guess that was a really, really stupid question, but he just didn't think a bit about it from that perspective because the 401k is an automatic contribution. Like he forgot that he was contributing to the 401k until I brought it up. Oh, for sure. And, and like so many people are like, oh, well, but I get a match from my 401k and therefore like everything is good. And it's like, what? yes, getting free money is usually a good thing. And at the same time, we're, we're tying some strings to that money. So helping folks understand how the ins and outs of all this work. And at the same time, the, the approach of setting a contribution amount and to a large extent forgetting it is incredibly useful and very helpful. Like, yes, absolutely. We should continue to monitor our investments on an ongoing basis and whatever the market's doing on a day-to-day week to week, month to month basis should not affect how much we're contributing to our 401k or how much we're investing. Like it just shouldn't. When I took it one step further and I said, so is the $50,000, are you planning on putting this in like a startup company and hoping that it like turns into something crazy? He goes, well, no, I'm not gambling with it. Right. So like it really hit me over the head because I'm like, holy smokes, this is probably how a lot of Americans are thinking with the exact same like thoughts. And it's like, well, well, wait a minute. Like, you put, you're putting money in your 401k. This extra money that you just got, you're, you're not wanting to be like truly speculative with it and, and invested in like, you know, something like Uber or Tesla where it explodes and goes crazy. You're just wanting to be smart and invest in the money, yet you're, you're worried about it, the market being overvalued right now. It's like, no, you take a step back, you're investing long term. And then all of a sudden he goes, yeah, you're right, let's just do it. Right. And, and we, Bit of risk tolerance and all that kind of stuff, and we invested it. It was no longer a question of when, right? It was how, right? I, and so much with the the overvalued question it is is really just people getting caught up in 
talking heads on the media saying, oh, well, the market's, you know, it's gone up so much. And they, they like, it's either just purely the market has gone up so much over such a, uh, over a whatever time period, or they're talking about some uh, price to earnings ratio. And it's one of those things where like, yes, these are valuations of the market. Yes, we need, it's helpful to understand them. And at the same time, if we're truly investing and not speculating over a shorter time period, by owning the market, we're going to do fine over a 15, 20, 25, 30 year time period. And, and so it, it does it doesn't really matter because we're going like if we take a look at like where the market was, whatever your definition of the market is, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and compare that to now, like getting in at exactly the right time versus just getting in, like it's more important to be invested in the market than to get in at exactly the right time. And if you don't believe me, there's always reasons why you shouldn't be investing now. And there's a few people I know who essentially have stayed out of the market since, you know, 2016 because of the election or 2010 because of the economy. And if you look at what they've missed out on at this point, because they didn't feel like it was the right time, that's just painful. Again, it goes back to these three steps, right? So you're investing long-term, right? We're not speculating. When do we want to invest? Well, now, because we're investing long-term. And then I guess number three, rather than saying don't get caught up in speculation, maybe don't get caught up in all the media talking heads. Yeah. Right? Have that investment philosophy, just like we spoke about in prior episodes. Which takes us, Alex, to the question of the day. Our question today is how has the media influenced your money decisions? So head over to beerandmoney.net and there's a spot for you to answer that question of the day, uh, as well as if you have any other questions or topics that you want us to discuss, feel free to reach out to, out to us in that capacity as well. Uh, if this episode is valuable to, valuable to you at all, uh, share with your friends, share with your family, right? That's a whole reason that we started this podcast was to give your information out there, be a resource so you can make educated decisions. And if you didn't get value, let us know what you want to hear about. And Brian and I are open to, you know, talking about it at something that you think would drive some value. 100%. So we hope this episode brought value. And as always, Alex. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or quantified financial partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. 
Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California, 91711. Telephone 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow AR Insurance License number 1531912. CA Insurance License number 0K24924. Alexander Collins AR Insurance License number 7264699. CA Insurance License, number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2021-130236, expiration November 2023.